Welcome to the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, where it is never too early for fantasy football. My name is Jeff. And I'm Alex. As always, thank you for downloading, listening, liking, commenting on our podcast videos. Please join our community by subscribing to us on the socials. Our handle on all platforms is at N2E Fantasy. We are also available on all major podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy. Alex, what do we have on today's show? Today's episode, we're going to cover news around the league for the Black Monday edition. So post-end of the season, the firings that occurred, we're going to cover those. And then we're going to move on into the wildcard weekend. We're going to preview all the matchups, and we'll take it from there. But Jeff, your former head coach, Ron Rivera, got fired from Washington on, on Monday. Do you feel like that was a good fire? Do you feel like that was destined to happen i know that i believe before the season you said that he was going to get fired i think you predicted it or at least said he was on the hot seat so i think this is ron rivera's last stint as a head coach first of all and then second of all uh it makes sense that josh harris the new owner of the washington team would want to move on from Ron Rivera. I do fully anticipate them to visit and try to rename the team as well this off season. Um, but it'll be interesting to see where Washington goes on a head coach. Uh, it does seem like this search is going to be extensive and they're starting with internal candidates first and then obviously requesting their external candidates as well. Anything, what, do you have a particular direction that you believe Washington moves in? I think that they go offense. Um, they either go established guy or they go offense. I think Bill Belichick is a potential option for them, but they really should look at uh, Eric B over there, their offensive coordinator and potential head coaching spot, or they should look at one of the many offensive coaches out there that's uh, pretty prominent, like Frank with uh, with the Dolphins would be a good one. Canales, I think, would be a good one. So they need someone who can help develop a quarterback, basically, and see if that's it or, or draft somebody in this draft. Yeah, I was just about to say, I don't know if Howell is it. Um, and we'll see going forward if the new regime believes in it or not. All right, so we can move on to coaching fire number two, and that is the Falcons move on from Arthur Smith. Um, how do we feel about this, uh, Alex? I know, I think you're pretty excited, right? I, I did some cartwheels at work when I found out and uh, did, did some skipping, and people asked me what I was uh doing that for and i was like don't worry about it it's it's football related but i am very thrilled that he's gone he is a, a very mediocre coach finished seven and ten all three years that he was a head coach um each year he got a extremely talented offensive weapon and nothing improved so i'm glad he's gone i hope that they bring in a different offensive coach and get the most out of this team i hope they get a quarterback so they get a coach and a quarterback i think they're in business and I think that they could, if they do it right, I think that they will win the division next year. We'll see who they end up hiring, who they end up bringing in as a quarterback, and see if that ends up being the case. It's going to be contention on that, but well-deserved firing. Well-deserved. So what happens next year if they don't improve and they have all of this offensive talent? Who are you blaming? <laughs> they go 7-10 again? Oh, gosh. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you do at that point. <laughs> like It's just destined to happen. Yeah, I just don't know who wants to go to that job right now because they don't have the quarterback position figured out as far as I'm concerned. 
Oh. It's one of the the best entertainment cities of of uh, the NFL. It's a dome stadium. It's a winnable division. Uh, it's a team where literally offensively they just need to trade up for a quarterback, in my opinion. So they have the ninth pick. <laughs> they have all their draft picks. They literally can just trade up and try to get one of the top three quarterbacks, or they can draft the the next best guy. Like it's possible, or they trade for Justin Fields. So there's options, and I think it's actually pretty attractive like to go to a team that already has offensive talent, to have the ammunition to get a quarterback, and one of the, in the deepest quarterback draft of the last 20 years or so. It's a good position, I think. So I think somebody will go there, and I think they will have a quarterback change as well. We will see, um, but I do believe that Justin Fields gets shipped out of the NFC if he does leave, because I wouldn't want to compete for a playoff spot with Atlanta with Justin Fields and potentially get beaten out there. So <laughs> just something to keep an eye on. And then Kyle Pitts is about to become a free agent, not this upcoming year, but the year after. And they're going to have to decide on his fifth year option this year. So he's been kind of a bust so far, which is really interesting. I don't know if it's him. Or if it is the fact that um, he doesn't have a quarterback throwing to him. So we'll find out in short order. But that's just one of those questions that I have moving forward. Okay. Well, the next coach that was fired was the Tennessee Titans head coach, Mike Vrabel. He is someone who I have a little bit of fondness for because he was the defensive coordinator for the Texans for a while. So I like him for that. I think he's a decent defensive mind, but and he had early head coaching success with the Titans, but I don't think that he's the guy that everyone's making him out to be. But Jeff, I'll let you I'll let you talk about the positive side. You're more positive about him and I'll bring in my criticisms. So I think this was a big mistake because I think this is a coach that has previous success with this team. Um, he brought Ryan Tannehill and the team to a number one overall seed in a pretty stacked AFC. And I just think that his contributions to the team overall is going unnoticed. And I feel like after six years, I know he's had two down years, but we have to remember last year, Ryan Tannehill got hurt halfway through the year so they had to roll with Malik Willis who isn't it and then again Ryan Tannehill gets hurt this year and they're rolling with a rookie quarterback that fell down drafts and they weren't even confident enough to select him with their first pick so it's just an interesting uh, conundrum if you don't have the quarterback in this league you're not going to win but somehow he coached them to a number one seed so I think overall that he deserves another look this go around in the head coaching jobs um, but I know Alex you have a very different opinion than me oh, I think that he heavily benefited from some good offensive coaching hires uh, initially so those were his hires the- so the Packers head coach LaFour was with the Titans and that was one of their best offensive years. He left and he never was able to find someone to fill the void. So the offense has not been great the last two years. I also think that he's a defensive minded head coach. And I think that the defense has been mediocre at best for his tenure in Tennessee. And I think they had one year where they looked okay and looked solid. And the other years they've been either middle of the pack or in the 20s, as far as defensive rankings, is yards allowed, points allowed, like turnovers, sacks. 
So I don't like he's a defensive mind and he's not doing good defensively. So that's a problem for me. Do I think everything is his fault? No, I think the the GM has given him a crap team. Each year, their roster talent has gone down since he's been there. I don't know how much say he's had with the decisions, but the GM's doing him no favors. They traded AJ Brown. The offense kind of went downhill from there, and Trey Burks isn't it. Uh, they haven't really filled out anything else. They got lucky to be able to get Hawkins this year, but even with Hawkins and with uh, Derrick Henry healthy for the entire season, they still weren't very good. Tannehill isn't a top quality quarterback, so you can give him the benefit of the doubt that he hasn't had the quarterback to succeed in his time in Tennessee. But I, I just think that he he needs a better GM to work with. He needs a better situation. Maybe if he goes into a situation where they already have roster talent and the previous coach was just bad, I think he's the ideal coach for that situation. So I know everyone keeps saying that New England would be a good spot for him just because he played in New England. He went through the, the coaching ranks a little bit in the New England tree a little bit. But I just think New England's roster is a mess, and I think it's worse than the Titans. And I don't think that he would necessarily turn them around because he's not an offensive guy. I don't think he would be able to attract the coaching candidates that are <clears throat> good. So. I think he needs to go to a better team. I think if he went to Atlanta, I think that would be a better spot for him personally than with uh, England. And I think that's crazy because they're just a better team. And I think it's an easier division. Yeah. So let me correct you for a second here because Matt LaFleur was hired by the Green Bay Packers in 2019. And Vrabel went uh, in 2018 and 2019, went nine and seven. And after LaFleur left, they went 11 and five and 12 and five. So they actually got better after LaFleur left, and LaFleur is a good coach. So that, to me, tells me that there's a deficiency of talent and a deficiency of communication between the front office and Vrabel here because something happened after 2021, and that's when they traded away A.J. Brown, which we can say is a huge mistake. But again, he led them to a playoff run in 2019. So he led them to the... AFC championship in 2019 and in 2020 and 2021 he led them to the top two seeds in the conference so three-year run there he was a great coach and then all of a sudden just a complete fall off and this was all with Ryan Tannehill so we want to be very clear on that as well and I know we talked offline about this and you want to say that it was a little bit of a down year but they were they were Still in a Mahomes era, some of it in a Tom Brady era, a lot of it in a Josh Allen era. So they are just chugging along, and I think that he's getting the raw end of the deal here. But we'll see where he goes. I do think he goes somewhere this coaching cycle. Anything else on Vrabel before we move on? I still think he's overrated, and I'm just trying to pull up the stats from that year. So let me just see. He made see. Tannehill he a pro bowler, one. if I'm not mistaken. He didn't make Tannehill pro bowler. Tannehill came in from Miami and was at least solid. But you said you said that uh, 2019 is the year that they made the conference championship? Yep. Yep, with a 9-7 and seven record. And then they won two playoff games and they lost the third one. Okay, so they moved off Marcus Mariota and went to Ryan Tannehill, who 
I think that they acquired. And I think that that explains why they weren't as good the two years before was the quarterback situation. So Ryan Tannehill came in that year, and I think he made the difference offensively. As and well he only as started had, 10 games that year. Tannehill. I know. He was just more effective than Mariota. Mariota's just not been a good quarterback in his career. That that bleeds into the, the GM as well, the, how bad they were. But Derrick Henry had, I think, his best year, one of his best years that year. He was also five years younger than than now. And I don't know, man. I don't think the offense was, was doing that great, in my opinion. Tannehill had, that... the year after LaFleur left, Tannehill had 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions, and then he just fell off a cliff after that. I just don't under I don't understand how he fell off a cliff because he even had AJ Brown the year after and he still he went twenty one and fourteen so he had twelve less touchdowns and seven more picks so he literally fell off a cliff looking at stats right there so I think the quarter I think everything points to the quarterback position not right for Vrabel he did have it right for two years with Tannehill but Tannehill is clearly not it and he hit a wall the year that they went twelve and five because he they went twelve and five in spite of Tannehill's twenty one and fourteen. Uh, interception to pick ratio. Yeah, well, I think that was the best defensive years as well for Vrabel, and everything's just gone downhill since. And, and they keep can, shipping off talent too, didn't they? Ship off a uh, young uh, Corey, safety Corey in Davis, the season. Yeah, that too. Uh, Corey Davis left before AJ Brown, and Corey Davis was almost a thousand yard receiver. So yep. Corey Davis and AJ Brown both being there, having two quality uh, wide receivers to throw to at that time as well as Derrick Henry, and as well as Johnny Smith had eight touchdowns and actually did pretty well. So all of those weapons left. So Johnny Smith left. Uh, Corey Davis left. He never panned out anywhere else. A.J. Brown was traded to the Eagles. So they literally shipped all their talent away except for Derrick Henry. So that's one aspect. But at the same time, the defensive side has just gotten worse. And I don't. I think the defensive talent is better than what it was a few years ago. So there, that doesn't make any sense to me. I, I, I think just, they shipped a I lot think of it away, just, though. They shipped, they shipped more offensive talent away than defense. I think the defensive talent, like, they've improved since he, he took over. They shipped to safety because they had a replacement in the wings. But regardless, I don't view Vrabel as highly as a head coach as some other people, especially a lot of people in the media. Um, I just don't see it. and. I know you want to harp on that one year where they were eleven and five and first in the first in the AFC for that year, but I, I just also think that that one year too. I think the I think those are great performances, but what has he done since? Like he's had a losing record since. So, but he but he started I, with four winning seasons. That's the thing. And then his last two seasons, Ryan Tannehill, his starting quarterback, was out for over half the year, and he wasn't even that good. I think. Uh, I mean, during that time frame, the Texans weren't good. The Colts weren't that great. Uh, the Jaguars weren't good. So I think that he was getting four or five gimme wins from just the division. And I don't know if that's necessarily him being that great. But last year, 7-10. and 10. This year, 6-11. and 11. I mean, they're only going downhill now. They, they peaked 2021-2020. They peaked during that time frame. And... I don't see the Titans getting better, but on the same token, I don't know that the Titans can get a head coaching candidate better than Vrabel. Like, do I think he's a top five candidate from what's out there right now? No, I don't. And we can have an episode where we talk about coaching candidates and what their best fits are. But I also don't think that Tennessee is as attractive of a destination for 
these head coaches because the roster talent on offense is terrible, and I don't see a way for them to easily improve. I don't think the GM's very good, and it seems like they're keeping the GM. So, so would you Tennessee's say Tennessee doing. underperformed this year? Yes, in some regards. Well, no. I I think that they it might have over. <laughs> I think they might have overperformed by one game, but I think I did predict, predict them to get six and eleven, and that's what they got. So they yeah. they they tracked exactly where you said they would. Yes. So but that was Colts based on were, their talent. But I only had the Colts getting five wins, and the Colts almost made the playoffs, and I think that is largely due to coaching. Uh, I have four wins down on my sheet for you for the Colts. Four wins or five? Well, that's even more impressive, Jeff. So I know. You're just making the case for me. So <laughs> I, know. I, think that, I think that he was the arguably the worst coach in the division this year. Maybe. Maybe. I think... Uh... I think uh, what's his face in Jacksonville I can attest to that right now as he's sitting at home for not a time where he should be sitting at home. Yeah, I just think the timing of them firing Frable, especially like I said, I don't think that they could do better on Black Tuesday. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that uh, they can do better than him, and I don't think that he's a top tier coach. But after beating Jacksonville and knocking them out of the playoffs, I don't know how you could fire him this year. It doesn't seem smart to me. So I, I'm of two minds of it. It's not a good move for Tennessee to fire him, but he's also, in my opinion, not a top candidate for head coach. Weird spot to be in. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to see if you thought they underperformed or they performed exactly where you thought they wanted to. But we can move on. We have a couple of coordinator changes. Um, it looks like that uh, Wink Martindale is going to be leaving the defensive coordinator position for the Giants nothing's official as of this recording so there's rumors out there that he submitted his resignation I don't know if a person signs a contract if they can just resign outside of completing that contract or something needs to happen with mediation to get him out of his contract but it does seem like there is something there's some smoke going on there and as you've mentioned before Brian Dable does have a history of not getting along with fellow coaches but uh, I do believe that uh, Brian Dable will be back next year regardless because he, I mean, his team destroyed the Eagles when the Eagles had to win that game and the Eagles couldn't get anything going. That would just blows my mind. That game will live in my head rent free. And then also the Cowboys and Giants from week one where the Cowboys beat them 40 something to nothing week one. I'll also leave. Like, how did we get from the Cowboys blowing them out 40-something to nothing to them destroying the Eagles the last week of the season when the Eagles had to win that game? Like, where where did that all happen throughout the season? Like, mind blown. Also, Mike Caldwell, is the Jaguars are moving on from him and his defensive staff, and I do believe they need to start over there. They probably need to start over on the offensive side of the ball as well because they have a lot of talent. We've discussed offline that they don't have a number one wide receiver, in my opinion. Maybe Calvin Ridley's it. Maybe he's not. I think he's more of a number two at this point. Kirk's better slot guy at this point, in my opinion. But that's our uh, coordinator moves. And then we have a GM move of Scott Fitterer uh, moving on in Carolina. And uh, it's time to move on from him and start over. Um, As I mentioned on the previous podcast, Hayden Hurst said that there's multiple voices. We need to have one voice going forward with a head coach and a GM. And uh, no more voices in people's heads here going forward. All right. The number one thing that I thought of is with the injuries that Hayden Hurst has had, that the voices that he was hearing 
Might be in his head. <laughs> uh, so, well, we wish him a speedy recovery because that was a pretty serious injury. Yeah, maybe in poor taste, but uh, it just kind of lined up that way. Uh, like I, like Jeff said, we wish them a speedy recovery, and we hope that the voices stop in the the Panthers' decision making. So I hope they get a good GM. I hope they get a good coach. I think it makes sense to bring them in at the same time. And uh, I think that at some point we're going to talk more about the coaching candidates and where their fits are. So that will be nice to go over. seems like there's more defensive guys with pedigree than offensive guys, but offensive guys are typically more sought after. So we'll see um, how that shakes out, but we can start with the wild card matchups, Jeff. So, so, so let's start off with the two buys. We have the Ravens and the 49ers clinching the one they're on by this week. They get home games next week, but the first matchup, the very first matchup of the weekend is the Browns at the Texans. Alex, who are you taking in this matchup? I'm taking the Texans. I think that uh, the Texans want to stick it to Deshaun Watson and his team. I know that he's not going to start. I know. I know. I think they want to stick it to the Browns, honestly, and they want revenge for, for losing earlier in the season. I think that Stroud is back. I think Stroud looks good. Um, I think it's going to be Nico Collins dueling against Amari Cooper if uh, Cooper's fully ready to go. Uh, I think it'll be a fun game. I think the Texans defense is getting better, but you've got to look out for Will Anderson's ankle injury. I think that they're resting him this whole week and uh, they're going to use him in, in pass rushing situations. So he won't be out there every snap, but I like the Texans for this game. Stroud played uh, in Ohio. I think that he'll want to beat the Browns. So I know it's at home for the Texans and I'm happy about that, but I think that this is, an interesting matchup. This is the matchup I wanted. I think we can beat the Browns. Jeff. All right. I'm going to go, go with the Browns in this. What? I was just going to go ahead and pick the opposite. I was just going to go ahead and pick the opposite. I'm going to pick the Browns because I just think their defense is much better. And I think Flacco is playing at an all-time level right now. And I think that there's nothing that the Texans can throw at him that he hasn't seen when he played for the Ravens and he had to practice against Ray Lewis and that entire defense, which was insane at the time. All right. So we can move forward to matchup number two and it's the Dolphins at the Chiefs. And as I had mentioned last podcast, this is going to projected to be zero degrees. So this is a quite a cold rush for the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to go the Dolphins in this matchup. I think they are going to go to Arrowhead and they are going to win. And the reason why I think they're going to win is because I think there's going to be a one quick hit to Tyreek Hill, which is a Tyreek Hill revenge game. And uh, I think uh, the Chiefs will be playing. If the Chief, if the Chiefs are playing from behind, they're going to struggle in this game. Oh, man. Okay. Um, I keep going back and forth in my head on this one. Because I, for for me, earlier in the season, the reason why I picked the Chiefs over the Dolphins was because they were in Germany, and I didn't think that the Dolphins traveled very well. I, I know they're still going to be on the road for this one. And I, I, honestly, I think I'm going Dolphins in this one as well, even though the Dolphins do pretty poorly against relatively good teams. I don't think the Chiefs are that good of a team right now. And yeah. I, I think that the Chiefs' defense is better than their offense this year. And I, I think... Like you said, it only takes a couple of big plays for the Dolphins to get ahead. Um, the Chiefs haven't been able to score a lot, so if the Dolphins if the Dolphins get 21 or 24 points in this game, it might be enough to beat the Chiefs. And I know that's just crazy considering that we still think of Patrick Mahomes as a top-quality quarterback. They just can't get it done. Uh, would it surprise me if the Chiefs won? No, but I think 
I, I agree with you this week for the Dolphins. So. All right. So we can go ahead and move on to the Steelers at the Bills. Oh, I will break this one down first just because I'm an hour away from this particular matchup here. Um, so I think there's no team that I would want to play less than the Buffalo Bills right now. So I'm going to go the Buffalo Bills in this matchup. And I think that they've been playing playoff football since after their bye. And I believe that they may be the team to beat in this postseason. So I, no, I, I agree with you there. I think it's between the Bills and the Ravens, but I don't think the Steelers will be able to beat the Bills this week. I think the Steelers, their best chance would have been against the Texans or against uh, the Ravens, maybe just because, for the, at least for the Ravens, it's the division rivalry. They seem to know each other pretty well. They can exploit weaknesses. But I think the Bills are just too hot right now. I think that Josh Allen is a one-man wrecking crew, and uh, he's very fun to watch because he throws risky plays, and they work out for him. They don't work out for him, but he has won several games straight now. So I'm going Bills as well. All right, that's a good matchup. All right, Jeff. Let's talk about Jeff's matchup of the week, and that's going to be the Green Bay Packers at the Cowboys, <laughs> the Mike McCarthy revenge week, the Jordan Love versus Dak Prescott. I think I think that there's going to be comparisons between those two quarterbacks for a while, uh, especially if Jordan Love keeps playing better, keeps improving. Jeff, I know Green Bay is in Dallas, and I know that Dallas has home field advantage. They're a better team on paper. They're the two seed. Who do you have? Do you think the Packers can upset the Cowboys? No, I do not. I think the Packers are too young to win this matchup. I think this matchup will be relatively easy for the Cowboys, and I think the Cowboys should move on. If the Cowboys somehow lose this matchup, I probably could predict an end of tenure for Mike McCarthy. Interesting. All right. They just absolutely cannot lose it. I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna go Packers in this one. Honestly, I, I think that the Cowboys won't get it done in the postseason. I think that Aaron Jones is coming like he's back at the right time. He's been hot the last two weeks. I think that uh, Reed is a really good wide receiver. I think that Kraft is filled in admirably at tight end. I think that Love has done just enough. I, I think that the Packers defense is almost as good as the. Cowboys defense, I think that uh, last week or earlier in the season, I think that the Packers have done a good job at scheming against top pass rushers. So I think that they will find ways to limit Parsons' damage. And I think that the Packers will, will win this week. All right. We will see. I just think the Packers are too young. They're one of the youngest teams. And I don't know if they'll have Christian Watson back. And I just think that CeeDee Lamb is better than anything that they have in Green Bay on offense right now. And I don't even know if Jaden Reed is 100% right now. I think CeeDee Lamb is the only, the only offense for the, for the Cowboys, like for Dak to throw to consistently. I think that the Packers defense will scheme towards him, and I think that they'll, they'll limit him. I think he won't get 250 yards. He'll get less than 100. I'm not saying he won't be, com- I'm not saying he'll be completely shut out, but he'll be much less than what he has been the, the past few weeks. So I think the Packers will win. All right. Now, I know you're being facetious before, but this is my matchup of the week. The Rams, the Lions, Goff versus Stafford, Stafford versus Goff. 
Finkel is Ihorn. Ihorn is Finkel. Um, so in this particular matchup, this is that ginormous trade that went down three years ago where it led to a Rams Super Bowl victory. I know right off the bat that Alex would love to see the Lions win this matchup. And it's possible, but I think that not resting players last week, getting Laporta hurt, getting Khalif Raymond, their kick returner hurt, I think this is all going to come back to bite them. They even got a young safety that was performing quite well hurt. Um, I think this is all going to come back to bite them. And I think the Rams rested. They did right. They have Puka. They have Cup. They have um, Kyron Williams. And uh, I just think that going into this week that you have to probably go the Rams in this matchup. What What are your thoughts? Well, I, I think that they are relatively evenly matched. I, I think that this is, on paper, the best matchup of the week. And, hmm. I like the fact both... that the Rams sat Kyron Williams last week. I think that'll help big time. I don't know, man, because rest brings rust. And playing makes you sharp. Yes, you risk injuries, but you just played so, the week before. So, so Kyron just, Williams, Kyron Williams missed week seven through week eleven. He came back week twelve and scored thirty five point four fantasy points. I think he does just fine on rest. Well, I'll just say that the Lions have the second best uh, rushing defense, and I, I think that they match up in so many regards. The Lions are a little bit better at points per scored. They're a little bit better at total yards per game. They're a better rushing team. They're uh, a better passing team. They're a better time of possession. Uh, I just think that they, yes, the Rams are pretty close, but I'm I'm going to go Lions in this one. And I do think it can go either way, but I think the edge should go to the Lions, especially at home. All right. So you're going to go Lions in that matchup, but I do think that's the matchup of the week. And I think the NFL very purposefully put it on Sunday Night Football. And my eyes will be completely on that matchup. Now, I think the NFL also made the Monday Night Football matchup of the Eagles and the Buccaneers purposeful as well, because I think ESPN does get the worst of the matchups out of all of the regular season. And now they're going to get the postseason worst matchup in the Eagles at the Buccaneers. Both of these offenses appear to be limping. Which one do you believe, Alex, gets it right first? Will it be the Eagles getting it right or will it be the Buccaneers get it right in this game? I think the Buccaneers win this game. The Eagles are ranked 30th on defense for points against per game. And uh, the Bucks are 6th for points against per game. And the the difference between offense and defense between the Bucks and the Eagles, the Bucks are better combination of the two. And I just think that the Eagles, they've been struggling. They lost to the Giants. I, I think that the Bucks are a better team than the Giants. So Bucks get to play at home. I think that instead of targeting on one particular wide receiver for stats purposes and incentive bonuses, I think they will now target their best receiver, Evans. I think they'll also get Godwin involved. Um, I think I just think that they're the better team functionally right now, whereas the Eagles are more talented but directionless. So I think the Bucks win, and I think that puts Sirianni on a hot seat. Yeah, I think Sirianni could be another coach that could be coaching for his job on Monday. But let me go with the Eagles in this matchup. I feel like they've been embarrassed enough, and I just feel like they're going to play angry this week. So I'm going to go the Eagles, you're going to go the Buccaneers, and we have a bunch of differences this week, and that's actually a, a lot of fun. 
There's far only six matchups, and we have four differences. It's the playoffs. It's the best of the best. <laughs> I think the first one you picked with your heart and not with your brain, but that's just my interpretation of your homerism. We'll call it. <laughs> well, I clearly don't have a brain then, but we'll we will see who is more correct about these matchups. It's playoffs. Anything can happen, but I am excited. I am excited for for playoffs to start. All right, Alex, I have a surprise for you to end the podcast. And I did a spreadsheet based on our preseason predictions and where everything ended up. So I'm going to go through this really quickly. So playoff percentage. So this includes yeses and nos. You got 62.5% correct of playoff teams and non-playoff teams. I got 68.75% correct of playoff and non-playoff teams. So I beat you. I edged you a little bit there, but this is where we take a turn for the worst for me. You got seven teams records completely correct this year. And I only got four. So you got Buffalo, Miami, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Washington, Detroit, and San Francisco, 100% correct. I got Cleveland, which I know you lambasted me about, but that's okay. Uh, I got Cleveland correct. I got Washington correct, Green Bay, and Atlanta correct as well. So, and I know you were a little bit higher on Atlanta than the rest of the, the than I was at least. I don't know about the rest of the field, but than I was. But uh, teams within one win, you had six, and I had eight. So that kind of makes up a little bit of the difference. Two teams within two. Uh, you had seven and I had nine. So we're pretty close. Now, if we move on to the teams that we most underestimated, Alex, the team that you most underestimated was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They got six more wins than you had given them in the preseason but before the regular season kicked off. I had three teams that had six more wins than I had projected, and that's the Colts, the Raiders, and the Buccaneers. So those are three teams that I think overperformed their preseason prediction. Uh, and then the most overrated team, Alex, your most overrated team was the Los Angeles Chargers. You gave them six more wins than they actually got. And my most overrated team is the Carolina Panthers, and I gave them seven more wins than they actually got. So I guess maybe I'm the homer of this all, but... Uh, but yeah, that is kind of our breakdown of this. And I, I actually look forward to doing this again next season because that was a lot of fun. I hope that we only get better. And I hope that you learned the lesson that you're the actual Homer and not me. So I, I'm only <laughs> accurate about my team. And I adjust as we go along and get new information. And you're like, my team is making the playoffs. I'm like, I don't think so, man. Um, all uh, I'll say to this is whose team beat who this season? Yeah, the Texans like to lose to bad teams, but still have a good season somehow. I don't, I don't get it. We're trying uh, to help you. You're welcome. I hope you win the You're Super welcome. Bowl because I want to say that we will won against one of the two the Super Bowl winners and <laughs> the other team that we beat this year. I'm trying to think who it is right now. Um, I don't, I don't think the Texans have the the roster talent to make it all the way to the Super Bowl. Like that would just be insane uh, fortune to make it that far. I just think that we can beat the Browns because they're missing half their team. I feel like. Yeah. Other team that we beat was the Falcons and they're not in the playoffs. So you're our only hope to say that we beat the Super Bowl champion. It's not going to happen, but I think we'll beat the Browns. 
All right. I that is one of our differences, but we will see on that front. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to run through our hits and misses of our preseason prediction and kind of put a bow on the regular season as we enter the 2023 season playoffs. I know it's in 2024, which is really weird to say, but I can't wait for some playoff football. I know what I'll be doing all weekend, and uh, hopefully you'll be doing the same, Alex. I definitely will. All right. Well, that does it for another episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you all for downloading or listening to this episode. And please don't forget to like and subscribe. Please leave us a comment and share the show. Every little bit helps. You can find us on all podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy and with our handle at N2E Fantasy on all social media platforms. Please join our community and give us a follow. Until next time, take care of yourselves. And remember, it's truly never too early for fantasy football. Thank you again. Bye, everybody.